0: Lord Jesus, in your arms you take and shield us. Help us to find our true solace there with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in the midst of our sermon series called Jesus Up Close, where we're taking a look at different stories of individuals who have an up-close experience with Jesus. And today we're looking at the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, also known as the woman at the well. As we heard in today's gospel reading from John chapter 4, Jesus was traveling through the region of Samaria, which is in the center section of Palestine, on his way to the northern region of Galilee. And he was rather tired and thirsty from his journey, and so Jesus stops at the water well that had once belonged to Jacob many centuries earlier. While he was there, a Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well and thus began a conversation that would end up changing this woman's life in some pretty significant ways. As we examine this story a little more closely this morning, I'd like us to consider a couple of questions pertaining to the story. And the first one is this. What did the Samaritan woman bring to the well that day? Now, of course, the initial answer is, obviously, she brought an empty water jar to draw water from the well. But I dare say that that wasn't all that was empty that day. And that wasn't all she brought. For this woman also brought what must have felt like a lifetime of her own emptiness. Emptiness born out of shame and ridicule and rejection by other people of her town. This is really partly evidenced by the fact that this woman comes to the well at a rather strange time. She comes at high noon, and she comes to the well all by herself. That was unusual because the custom of the day was for the women to go to the well to gather water together. It was a social event the women did together. And typically they would go in the cooler hours of the day, in the morning or in early evening. But this woman chooses to come in the heat of the day. Perhaps it was easier to bear that kind of heat than it was to take the heat of the gossip and ridicule and condemnation of the townspeople and the other women. And so she comes all by herself. What did this woman bring to the well that day, Well, one thing she brought with her, I dare say, was utter loneliness. She came empty, as empty as that water jar, and she's the real one who needed filling. Interestingly, in the course of her conversation with Jesus at the well, we find out what the deep, dark secret is that's been haunting this woman for however many years. She had had five husbands, and the man with whom she was living intimately now was not her husband. And she brought that huge secret to the well that day, fully intending, of course, to keep it hidden. This wasn't something she was eager to talk about with anybody. After all, even today, isn't it true that people tend to hide what hurts? No doubt this woman had mastered the art of hiding her shame. And she had grown rather accustomed to being rejected and alone. And so it must have come as a a rather jarring surprise when Jesus initiated a conversation with her by asking her the question, Will you give me a drink? Wow. She wasn't used to anybody talking to her, certainly not in any kind of a friendly way. Plus, she fully expected him to do what any other Jewish man would have done, to walk away in utter disgust and rejection, because she knew all too well Jews hated Samaritans, and vice versa. But she knew that the Jews looked down on the Samaritans as half-breeds, because their ancestors had intermarried with foreign peoples. They also tended to look down on the Samaritans because the Samaritans only accepted the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, the the five books of Moses. They didn't accept the other writings, the writings of the prophets and so on. And additionally, most men tended to look down on women in that day and age anyway in general, treating them like second-class citizens. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus doesn't walk away. He doesn't ridicule her. He doesn't reject her. And though he is God, and though he knows everything about this woman's life, he doesn't condemn her. Rather, he engages her in a powerful conversation with the intent not of taking something from her, but of giving her something. And this raises the other key question for this story. What is it that the Samaritan woman takes with her from the well on that day? We get a clue to answer that second question in the opening portion of their conversation. When we look at this story again, uh, Jesus says to her, Will you give me a drink? And then look how the conversation goes. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and flocks and herds? Then Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the waters I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You know, when this woman hears Jesus refer to living water, she hears those words and understands them in the uh, common uh, literal sense. That is something like what you see on the screen. Living water was Flowing stream water that would be fresh and clean, as opposed to standing water that would become stagnant and perhaps even unhealthy. Living water was flowing water. That's what she has in mind. But of course, by living water, Jesus means something so much more something that refreshes not the body, not the tongue, but the soul. Not only for this life, but for all of eternity. That's his focus. Jesus offers this woman the living water of forgiveness, of wholeness, of healing of her soul, and the gift of eternal life. That's what he wants for her. And so, to get at the heart of the real issue with this woman, Jesus says something to her kind of straightforward. He says to her, Go call your husband and then come back he knows that's going to get right to the heart of the issue she responds very curtly i have no husband and of course what she's trying her best to do is to keep all of her secrets hidden it's not something she wanted anybody to know about and so she hopes that her words will simply send jesus on his way saying i don't have a husband and And then she wouldn't have to deal with the source of her pain. But Jesus wants what is best for people, and he wants what's best for this woman. He wants her to experience real inner healing, real joy, real peace for the first time in her life. Yes, he accepted her exactly as she was, right where she was, but he loved her enough not to leave her there. And so he let her know that he knew He let her know that he knew about her pain and about her sin and he loved her anyway. In verse 17 and 18, when she says, I have no husband, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. With those words, he's not condemning her. He's letting her know he knows what pain she's feeling and he cares about helping her. And she tries all different various ways to to sort of deflect the conversation to other topics. And, And then eventually she says to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who am speaking to you, am he. And in that moment, in that moment, she received more than she ever dreamed she would would find at the well that day. She experienced God's forgiving grace. Grace that only the Messiah could bring. And she was so excited about what she had experienced that that she ran to her hometown and she completely forgot about her water jar. She left it sitting there at the well as she rushes back to town and tells everyone she knew what had happened. And the impact on that town was amazing, amazing. Amazing. In verse 39 of the text, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Notice the ripple effect that this had on the community. And after some initially came to faith for what she said, others wanted to go and hear him for themselves, and then many others came to faith in Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Now, friends, I have a question for you. What did you bring to the well this morning? Maybe it was some hurt, some pain from the past, some anger that you're still holding on to. Maybe it's some sin you can't get over, some shame you can't get rid of, some regret that holds on for years. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's loneliness, rejection, or fear. What did you bring to the well today? But much more important than whatever you brought today is what Jesus has to offer you today and every day. You see, no matter what you have kept hidden He already sees and knows what it is and he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. And that same Jesus invites you to lay it all down at the well and drink deeply of his living water. No matter your past, friends, Jesus loves you and he proved it at the cross. He proved it when he gave his life for you, that you might have life everlasting. St. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 8, from our epistle lesson for today, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. We can't get our act together. He's the one who gets our act together with his grace. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At the cross, Jesus died the death that we all deserved for our sins. And there he removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. There he refreshes our souls with the living water of grace that wells all the way up to eternal life. That fills our inner tank to full. And as you trust in Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to imagine Jesus doing something like what you see on the screens. Imagine Jesus embracing you with his arms of love. Essentially, that's what he was saying to this woman. Essentially, that's what he has done to us in our baptism. By the way, the banners that are out here are for the next service when we're going to be baptizing seven children and an adult. And our own baptism, God wrapped his arms around us. Jesus embraced us with his love. God the Father chose us as his children and made us a part of his family forever and said, I love you, I forgive you, and you are mine. One final thought from this story of the Samaritan woman. When you read this story, you can see that she just couldn't keep her joy to herself. She couldn't help but go and tell somebody else. Her good news and her life had a ripple effect on all those who are around her. And likewise, friends, I want to challenge each of us to make some ripples of God's love out in the community among the people that we know. Make some ripples of love as you share your story of how God's love has transformed your heart and life, how God has set you free from all the baggage that we used to carry. After all, this isn't just the story about one woman from some 2,000 years ago. This is just as much your story as well, your story of meeting Jesus up close. And your story is worth telling, too. So go out and make some ripples. In the name of Jesus, for his sake, amen.